Let's get started today. We've got uh, some great news uh, to share with you. We're going to talk about the the risen Christ. Um, when light encounters darkness, perspectives change. Um, last week we we began this, and I think it'll be one more part next week, and that's it. Um, but the idea of light encountering darkness. This is a lesson for us today. This is something that we must look at, especially if you're having a hard time with this pandemic thing. If you're struggling with this whole notion of uh, somebody's trying to control me, you're frustrated with the news, the media, politicians, um, the rules, all that stuff, I get it. it it's a hard thing. But be, be careful how you talk about it. If you uh, don't leave room open for conversation, I'm going to, I'm going to address this uh, probably in the next week or two, uh, but if you don't leave room uh, for uh, varying opinions in your statements with others, if they're just harsh and cold and blank, and this is what I think, and there's no room for discussion, you shut yourself out from people. You actually put yourself in a little box and seclude yourself. We are not designed for isolation, which is why this whole pandemic thing's really hard, especially here in Ontario, where we've gone to this uh, kind of a, a level of lockdown. It's not a complete lockdown. Now, if you look outside and, and see how people are really behaving, it's unwise. But the point here is light has come. You are a light bearer. You have the light of Christ in you and have the opportunity to spread that light. Or you can choose to spread darkness. Yeah, you can actually spread darkness. Things that are incomplete. Um, things that, anyway, you, you know what I'm get, where I'm getting at. That's not what today's message is about. But when light encounters darkness, everything changes. Your perspective changes. So I'm going to... I'm begging you, imploring you today to find yourself a place to be teachable and let Christ teach you something really important so that your attitude reflects the light in you. And I'm speaking to myself today. I have not arrived at this. So by me saying this, uh, I'm, I'm trying to speak to my soul as well and say, hey, Mike, there are some attitudes and and frustrations that you've been focusing on instead of the light, instead of good news. So let's try and find a way to redirect our attention. Uh, I want to begin with a, um, a word from Henry now, and he, he shared something. He says, all is clothed in divine light. And this is a great introduction to, to our talk today. God exists, and the meaning of all that I am depends totally on that knowledge. Hmm, that's an interesting start. I wonder constantly if I am genuinely allowing my life to be determined by that truth. Maybe part of my reason for hesitating to embrace this truth fully is that it challenges me to give up all control over my life and let God be God, my God, the God of my neighbor, the God of all creation. But I also realize that as long as I do not do this, my life is an illusion and most of my energy is spoiled in trying to keep that illusion going. Does all this mean that my thoughts, plans, projects, and ideas no longer matter? <laughs> that conclusion has been drawn by people who use the spiritual life as a way to manipulate others. 
And that conclusion has led, sadly enough, to false views. This is about obedience, surrender to God's will, and certain forms of self-denial. The converted person does not say that nothing matters anymore, but that everything that is happens in God, and that He is the dwelling place where we come to know the true order of things. Instead of saying, nothing matters anymore, since I know that God exists, the converted person says, all is now clothed in divine light, and therefore nothing can be unimportant. That's, that's rich. That's really rich. How much, is, how much of this needs to be heard today? Maybe that is the sermon. Maybe that's it. I can just stop now. Ooh, it saved me 25 minutes. <laughs> but honestly, if we can see everything enshrouded in divine light, our, our frustrations, the pain we're seeing ourselves go through, the pain of our loved ones, and realize, hang on, if I see everything clothed in divine light, then everything is important, including the opinions of others we disagree with. They are important too, because they are beloved of God. We need not burn those bridges, something I've been learning recently, even those that I brutally disagree with. The opinions don't keep us together, necessarily, but the oneness of Christ's light and love in us. Something to ponder today. So in John 11, as we begin to continue from last week, this post-resurrection uh, story, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Now, remember, this is said before the cross. <laughs> so he's, is he pointing? Did he know? I think he did. But he's pointing ahead to what is coming and to who his true identity is. All right, this is really important. So, why do we believe the resurrection? I'll go through these five things really fast because we covered them last week. The empty tomb, the many witnesses, uh, the many witnessed appearances of Jesus, the disciples' radical change. We talked about that last week. The pattern of life changes in history and how uh, the revelation of Jesus has totally transformed people's lives. And even looking at BC and AD, that's still impacting us. And I looked at, I finally looked it up, but that BC is before Christ, AD is Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. So it, it's not talking about after death because there's a gap of years there. So very interesting when you take a look at all that. So Jesus Christ has made a stamp in history that nobody can deny. They can, but it's, it's from a, I don't know. I, I just think, uh, uh, again, revelation comes from Christ. And you'll see that in a couple of the stories that I'm going to share with you. The road to Amos. Last week we ended with this. Oh my goodness, I love this story. I love how it reveals that we cannot control what we learn. I was in a small group discussion this week, and uh, as, as we start to peel back the layers of truth, um, it can scare you. It can scare me. It has, it has scared me because it's like, okay, if I have to unlearn that thing I've learned and always believed my entire life, um, how much more is coming? Like, am I going to end up tossing all my faith? No, we don't have to be afraid of that. 
Jesus is going to be the one who reveals himself to you. And that's what's going to be really clear in this story. And you're going to find out from deep within. Unfortunately, some of us are so busy in life or staying distracted that we can't hear or sense what God is doing or saying in us. Take a look at this here. After Jesus had suddenly disappeared at dinner. Remember that boo story where these guys were talking to Jesus on the way to the road to Amos. He stays for dinner. He breaks the bread and boom, Jesus suddenly reveals himself to these guys. It's like, what just happened? And he disappeared. Well, here's what they said. We ended with this slide last week. They said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on the way back to Jerusalem and they found where the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. <laughs> so here, here's something really cool. It said there was something burning in their hearts as Jesus was telling these stories on the road. Okay. Like take take consider for just a moment uh you're having a conversation with somebody about some good news or something that's happening and you're excited for them there's there's a sense of you're kind of new already but they didn't know you knew there's, there's something in you that kind of says hey wait a minute this is this is exciting i'm connecting with this oh yeah 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 yeah. i, I can hardly wait to tell my side that's what's going on here there is a profound revelation going on in us. You're going to sense the voice of God. You're going to sense truth in you already. And I believe light speaks to light. The light of Christ is in you. And when you hear something true, it doesn't make it true. It was already true before you heard it. But because Christ lives in you, there is a, a an awakening, a... a wow for a moment that hiccup of what what is that and that is jesus already confirming in you this is true there's something i'm leading you in it may not be complete you may only be receiving a sliver of truth so don't mistake that as being the complete truth there's more here god, god sometimes wants to show us something because we're not ready for the next three steps all right so he has to take us to this to this other place to help us deconstruct faulty concepts, but he's leading us to greater and deeper truth. That's something to, to not forget. It goes on. So after this trip to Amos, then the two from Amos told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them. And as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling it, Jesus himself appeared. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and just as they were telling it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. So first of all, the, these two get this boo at dinner. And now they go and tell the folks in Jerusalem and Jesus shows up again and does the funky through the wall trick. Like, they, of course they'd be freaking out. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies. 
as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Well, that's an interesting question. So go back for a minute. Do you remember the story of Thomas? When well, we're going to cover that one in a minute, where Thomas says, "I ain't going to believe this un until I touch his, touch his uh, uh, side and you know put my finger through the holes in his hands. I ain't going to believe any of this." <laughs> so, if that's true, look what happened here. We have Jesus declaring to the the disciples in that room. He is telling them, "Look." I'm not a ghost. I'm actually human. Uh, and he shows them the same thing. So we sometimes p uh, point at Thomas and go, oh, Thomas the doubter. He just doubted, 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 doubted. Well, listen, here's the first time that we see even the disciples had trouble with this. Thomas was not the only one. And Jesus knew it. That's why he told them, here, why are you doubting? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. <laughs> I'm not a ghost. Boo. <laughs> That's not what happened. And so then he says, do you, do you guys have anything to eat? Why would he do that? Well, let's take a look. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. So here he is eating. All right? Ghosts don't eat food. He was showing them his humanity. This is really important. He didn't just show up as a spirit looking like a human. He proved to them, I am human, and he ate the same food they were eating, all right? Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So, pause there for a minute. Evidence here that there's much we can learn from the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Let's go back and look at those. Not today, but we will, and we do. We don't toss out the Old Testament thinking we don't need that anymore. Yes, we do. It has value. There's much we can learn from it. It was not written to you, but it's written for you so you can see the foretelling of Christ. And he, here, remember the road to Amos? He was explaining all of it to those two disciples. But he'd already told the disciples before that. This isn't the first time. Now, here's the best part. Here it is. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I think right there, the religious world, churchianity, uh, the Western church, the system that tries to recruit people to do behaviors in order to become part of a community or to become more Christ-like, that system needs to see that and realize baloney. Call it out. We don't become better Christians by changing behaviors. We become mature believers because Jesus opens our minds. That is totally different. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You can read the scriptures all you want. And some of those have been in, in church forever, their whole lives. I know my Bible. I, I taught Bible school. I, I taught Sunday school. And I memorized it all. I can go to battle anytime. I can do sword drills faster than anybody. I, I'm, I know my Bible. Well, that's nice. 
How many do I know that know their Bibles, but their lives are not filled with life? They're stuck in depression and fear. Oh no, Jesus is coming back soon. Better look busy. And you're like, what? Or, you know, the world's coming to an end. You know, end times are here. No, they're not. Not at all. We live here and now the kingdom has come. Okay? We don't live from fear. As soon as there's fear attached to it, it ain't the gospel. Jesus opened their minds. This is critical. Please burn this into your mind. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You can study, memorize, and all that stuff. Have degrees galore, doctorates, masters, whatever. But until the Holy Spirit opens your mind, big deal. Big deal, really. Who cares? And then he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. He'd been telling that, them that, and they didn't believe it. This gives me hope, me, Mike, hope to see that this has been prophesied and it happened, and there are witnesses for it. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And I put question marks beside that because I want to come back to that. I got a problem with that, that sentence. What? You have a problem with the word of God? No, I have a problem with this translation. This is a New Living Translation. It does a good job of sharing the story. That's why I used it. It's an easy one to use to tell. Uh, it says here in verse 48, You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. So again, do you remember last week we talked about there are different accounts of this story. This particular one we're looking at is from the book of Luke. We talked about the one from the book of John earlier, and there's one from Matthew. So this, I've had some people have a hard time with uh, the forgiveness thing, and here's what it is. Um, I used to think that, uh, and I was taught this, that um, when I'm forgiven, it's because I've asked. Um, it's up to me to be forgiven and stay forgiven. And if I don't ask, I won't be forgiven. And by the way, only believers are forgiven. That's what I was told. Well, I've had to study more, and I've come to see, call Jesus opening my eyes, we're all forgiven. So, for some reason, the translators here wrote, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And I thought, okay, what do some other translations say? And you're going to like this. So, translations matter. Don't stick with just one. And if something uh, sets off a, a red flag or a yellow flag in your mind of, wait a minute, that doesn't, doesn't seem like my Jesus. That, but it says it right there in the Bible. Well, take that little flag and do something about it. And say, hang on, that's not the end of the story. There's got to be a better perspective. Let's, let's take a look at what t uh, three other translations say from that same thing. So go back. It says, for all who repent. There is forgiveness for sins for all who repent. Which means it sounds conditional, but that's not how it should have been translated. In the Passion Translation, which I love, it says, now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem. So the implication here is preach that they repent and believe. But what, what are they preaching? That forgiveness has arrived. 
believe that you are forgiven. Very different than conditional forgiveness. The message says, through the forgiveness of sins, sorry, yeah, through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations starting from here. It's been proclaimed. The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed, announced, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Very different than you can get forgiven. Come over here, sign on this line, pray this prayer right here, and then it can happen. No, no, no. Not at all. What about the thief, thieves on the cross? Those two on either side. What about the, the centurion who was in charge of the killing of Jesus? What did Jesus do? Did Jesus forgive before he died and finished all that stuff? Yes, he did. So the cross was a declaration of forgiveness, not the condition of it. He didn't need the cross in order to forgive. But we experience and it's been manifested, revealed through the cross. All right? Jesus submitted to this torture um, beast called a cross. Brutal, brutal thing. New American Standard Bible says it really well. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So, just in case, because somebody's going to read that verse in their own translation. That's, that's why I didn't change it. I was going to go back and I didn't like the translation, so I'll throw in one I do like. But you got to see how I work here, too. Like, I, I'm wrestling with surprises. It's like, what? How do I handle that one? And some topics are really tough to teach. I promise you that. Ooh. So this is, anyway, I saw this and I thought, you need to see how to begin to wrestle with this. But again, go back to the very beginning of today when we talked about, you know, God is God. Who is he? We need to settle that. Anyway, I thought it was good. So son, now we're looking at the book of John. That was just in Luke we were just talking about. Now we're looking at the book of John. The, this is his lens. Um, John 20, verses 19 to 22. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. By the way, pause. I think this is the Luke story of the two people coming back from the road to Amos. This is the same story, okay? Uh, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, uh, he said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, this is hard. The previous story said, Hey, don't leave until I send the Holy Spirit. So, again, this is just a conflict of lenses of how... The story was told, all right? But here they are. He, something else is confirmed here if you can see it. It says here, um, uh, he showed them his wounds and his hands and his side. Even in the book of John, just like in Luke. Thomas was not the only one who doubted. So the doubting is not a lack of faith. It means you've got a, a concrete blockhead that needs to be smashed apart some more because we have blockers in the way of preventing us from seeing and believing. And it can't happen until Jesus allows you to see it and believe it. All right? There are people that are receiving and believing in Jesus that have nobody telling them the gospel because somehow God is showing up in places. I know it's happening in Iran. I know it's happening in the Middle East. I'm hearing stories about this from my Farsi family. I tell you, this is 
there is real stuff going on here. And then he says, uh, then, and then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Man, to be there, that'd be so cool. However that happened, I don't know. But this, this is without Thomas being there. So does that mean Thomas didn't get the Holy Spirit? Interesting. I believe he did, but this was the experience of that group. One week later, a week later, Thomas is still going, I ain't going to believe any of this until I touch his side and put my finger in. Okay, like this is a week later, it tells us. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus, when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it until the, I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wounds of his side. Okay, does that sound cocky to you? Yup. He's being super blunt. Okay, he's saying, nah, I'm not going to believe this. This is baloney. That's really basically what he's saying. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. <laughs> Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Oh my goodness. Folks, this is huge. Okay? Back to Jesus being the revealer. He gave the opportunity to the other disciples the week before. Look, see? He's showing them all the stuff. Obviously, Jesus knew the doubts of Thomas. They were not unique to just Thomas. Everyone else also needed that over-convincing. Remember, they've never witnessed somebody coming back from the dead before, okay? Not like this. This is like he is seriously dead, like dead dead. This is not Prince's Bride where he's mostly dead. Not at all. This is like dead. Body was gone Fini, all right? No more life in it. But their life came back. <laughs> this is absolutely incredible. So he says, peace be with you. And then he offers and speaks to the doubt of Thomas. We're allowed to have doubts. Oh my goodness, yes, we are. Um, you can even say, yeah, but I don't know what the, if I believe this about the Bible, I don't know if I believe those words were exactly accurate. I don't know if this was translated right. You can have all the doubts you want, and that's important to have. It means you're actually thinking instead of just being spoon-fed like this baby food. Don't do that. Not if you've been believing for a while. You shouldn't be on pablum any longer. You should be eating the important food, maturing food, adult food. And then he said, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Here's something really important about this line. Jesus comes to him with faith. He offers the faith to him. Thomas couldn't muster it up. Thomas was not the initiator. <laughs> this is important. Jesus is the initiator not you not me oh one more thing he doesn't need your help 
being an initiator to someone else. Quit trying so hard. Oh, I, I have so many bad examples of people trying too hard to get people to believe you can't for your own kids, for your spouse, your family. It is out of your hands. You have zero control over their faith and what they believe. Trust Jesus to go find them, just like Thomas was sought out. He sought Thomas out. Remember, he'd been there five, like eight days ago. All right, the other guy saw that, but Thomas didn't. Even for the one, this is the humanity of Jesus. This is the care of the one who says he loves you, believes in you, made you whole. He's coming after you. Don't you worry. He knows how to get your attention. And he's good at it. Really good. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Hmm. My Lord and my God. That, that is a huge statement. Now, picture this with me for a moment. <laughs> Jesus puts his hands out. Okay, book through. It's like a flashlight. Can you see through? Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking in my, uh, the, what the scene could look like. Oh, my goodness. We have got a Jesus who is passionate about revealing himself. And it works. Thomas then says, my Lord and my God. He recognizes Jesus not as just a prophet, a teacher. He sees him as his God, the deity as well. That's huge. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now, pause here for a minute. I thought this was a... You'll get into heaven just by the skin of your teeth comment. Because I thought, and this is what I grew up with, that Thomas was, oh, Thomas the doubter. He'll, he'll make it, but man, it's like banging your head against the wall trying to get someone to believe. But he says, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And we single Thomas out as the great doubter. Okay, we'll see him. But flip it around. Who did he also do it to? He showed himself to the rest of the disciples. Okay, they saw too. This is for all of them. He didn't, I don't think he pulled Thomas aside and, and told him, hey, for you, because you've seen you believe, but man, those who, you know, who believe without seeing me, he was saying this to the whole group. So, my goodness, there's hope here. No one's left behind. Jesus went after the unbeliever and didn't shame him. All right? I'll bet you the other disciples had some shaming games going on because Thomas wasn't there. So we pick on the one who struggles with faith. Oh my goodness, I've seen that in the church big time. We pick on those who seem to not believe quite right or see things differently, always challenge and question, and we think they're, they're like bad apples or black sheep, and uh, we just kind of keep an extended arm and keep them away from us, us versus them. Mm -mm. Not at all. They're just as included as you are. 
Each one of us gets the revelation that we get. This is how Jesus reaches out to us. This is how we grow, because he's the initiator, not us. This is how we believe. We don't muster it up. We don't create belief and go, look, I found Jesus. (laughs) I didn't know he was missing. (laughs) Nope, it's better than that. He found you. He came to you and approached you and said, believe. Do you believe? So my question today for you is, do you believe? And if you believe, how has that impacted your life, your behavior? How has your belief impacted light and darkness in your life? When light encounters darkness, your perspectives change. It's good to look back and see the perspectives that have changed in your life and celebrate the fact that you are growing still. You've not arrived. None of us have. I'm still growing big time. I have so much to learn. (laughs) Heavenly Father, please reveal yourself to each of us in a way that you know will connect with us best. Father, teach us to stop trying to control other people and how they believe and what they believe. Help us to get our eyes off of the world, the news, anyone else, and get our eyes on you and learn to hear your voice speaking to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.